You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We're here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday, and we want to be part of your daily routine. So be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is your July 16th edition of the podcast, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about the moves made to the Red Sox roster today, as well as the game. Um, today's episode is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Um, don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Okay, Matt, let's kick it off with the moves that the Red Sox made today. Um, they DFA'd Eduardo Nunez, um, which was sort of a big move. They uh, designated, well, they didn't designate. They um, sent down to the minors uh, Hector Velasquez, and the two guys that they brought up in their place, uh, they brought up Ryan Weber and also Sam Travis. So what can we sort of take away from these moves? They, I mean, well, I'll just get the pitching one out of the way early because that's the much less interesting. Um, they just needed somebody that could throw multiple innings in case they needed it. Um, I mean, Ryan Weber is obviously not going to be a focal point of this bullpen or anything, but Velasquez has been both bad and used a lot lately, so Weber is at least fresh, uh, but also pretty bad. So that's kind of just switching out. Of mediocre piece for another mediocre piece. Um, do you have something? Oh, I was just going to say that Velasquez had pitched in three straight games, so that yeah. makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the Nunez thing is obviously the headline here. And uh, he just, I mean, it was clear for a long time now that he didn't have a role on this roster. Um, I mean, Cora kept using him against left handed pitching and I know I said my piece on that, and Cora said today um, after the move was made that part of it was that he just wasn't getting it done against lefties. They needed somebody to get it done against lefties. Um, Sam Travis kind of fits with the roster a little bit better, which is kind of weird because he's not really someone that you think would fit with any roster, but with Chavis able to move over to second base, um, I mean, I think when a lefty's on the mound, we're going to see Chavis at second, Travis at first um, for a little bit, which... I mean, that's not super exciting. Sam Travis isn't some superstar, but I mean, it's better than Nunez at second base. So, um, I'm really bummed out about this. I've made it no secret. I really enjoy Eduardo Nunez as a person. He is extremely fun to follow when he's playing well. He's about as fun as it gets. Um, I think the Red Sox have some responsibility for him falling off so quickly that they've never really had to deal with from media or fans, which I don't think is fair because a lot of guys they've gotten criticized for and they never really caught it with Nunez. But um, from a purely baseball perspective, this was the right move. And honestly, it probably came a little too late. Yeah. And to give you some perspective as to how bad Nunez's numbers were uh, last year in 2018, he had a 78 WRC plus. Um, over the course of the season, 127 games, 502 plate appearances. And this year so far with the team, 174 plate appearances over 60 games and a 36 WRC+. plus. So 
He's been extremely below average at the plate, um, really for the last two years, and we've all we've documented the the issues with defense at certain positions, specifically second base. And you're right, the the fit on the the roster was just frankly awkward at this point because Brock Holt does just about everything better than Eduardo Nunez does, and uh, he was sort of redundant. Yeah, and I mean, plus you have Marco Hernandez, who's emerged as a really useful kind of backup middle infielder. So Nunez couldn't even serve as that. Like they, there was no black hole that he could fill there, and there was just no room for him. I mean, like I said, I'm bummed. I really hope he latches on somewhere and it's going to figure it out. But I'm not super optimistic. I mean, he's a guy that just relied. He relied so much on athleticism. I mean, that's where so much of his value came from. When he was good, he got a lot of singles and he legged out a lot of infield hits and then made impact with his legs on the bases. And he's just never been able to do that since that knee injury. So it kind of feels like it might be the end for Nunez, in which case he's a really fun player that never really got enough credit for how fun he was. But uh hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they'll figure something out. Yeah, we wish him the best uh, with whatever he ends up doing in the future. Um, th- I think the the roster implications are a little bit more interesting now, though, because Mitch Moreland is on his way back. He's going to be back at some point, hopefully, with the team. He's a left-handed bat. Um, do you think that when he gets back, he is going to be added to the bench in addition to Sam Travis, or do you think that Sam Travis will go down when he gets back and they'll stay with that three-man group? I'm kind of hoping... I think they're going to stick with the three-man bench, but I would hope... I'm I'm ready for them to go to a four-man bench. Um, they just... It's hard right now because their starting pitching just isn't getting it done and they need that extra arm in the bullpen. They've been getting killed back there, but I mean, it's, it's really tough to do this with the three man bench. I mean, these guys get banged up and then you have somebody who can't play for a few days. You don't want to put them on the IL, but suddenly you have a two man bench and one of them's a catcher. It's just, it gets really awkward really quickly. So, um, I'm expecting Sam Travis will go down for Moreland. Ryan Weber will go down for Evaldi when he gets back later this week, hopefully. Or over the weekend, but uh, I would prefer them to figure something else out. Yeah, I mean, if Steve Pierce can ever get healthy, I think. It, I don't think Pierce is coming back till September at the earliest. Really? Yeah, I just I don't see it. What What makes you so reticent to to say that he's going to come back all the way in September? I mean, he suffered a setback. What, like two weeks ago? Yeah, um, yeah, it was two weeks. About and then, yeah, and then they said it was going to be at least a month until he'd be ready. So when they say at least, I would expect that to be at least another week, and that's if everything goes well. Um, so that's like five weeks, and they need a week or two of rehab, and then at that point you're in late August, and mm. unless there's a glaring need on the roster, you just wait until September when the rosters expand. Um, so I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my expectation. Yeah, because I was gonna say, I mean, this this bench would look a lot better with with uh, both Moreland and Pierce uh, there. You know, if they had a four man bench of Moreland, Pierce, Sandy Leone, and Marco Hernandez, all of a sudden that's a unit you feel really good about. I'm honestly, I mean, yeah, Steve Pierce at his best, but at this point, I'm really not any more confident in Steve Pierce than I am in Sam Travis. In Pierce, that role, and that is saying a lot considering how low you regard Sam Travis. 
I've come up a little bit on Sam Travis. Um, Why? But yeah, it's mostly he's swinging a better bat this year. He's got a little more power, um, and I mean, I kind of. I mean, he is what it is, and against lefties, I'm fine with him as like a bottom of the order guy, and that's kind of what Steve Pierce is at this point to me too. Interesting. I have I definitely haven't come down on uh, Steve Pierce to that degree. Um, he but- hasn't done anything this year to make me think that, and just with all the injuries, he hasn't really played. So even I mean, I don't think this is like a true talent thing or anything, but just factoring in rust on top of all that, yeah. it's just it's hard to see it. Yeah, I, I think that that's a fair point. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we get back, we're going to discuss today's game. All right, welcome back. So, Matt, I didn't catch any of this game because I was at Lowell uh, catching the uh, Lowell debut of uh, Cameron Cannon and uh, checking out a few other really interesting prospects uh, in Lowell tonight, um, one of which was pitching for the Nationals and Jackson Rutledge, their first rounder, but... um, I did get to listen to the last two innings or so uh, of you. the game. The worst part of the game. Yeah. Um, I thought Joe Castiglione was going to have a heart attack uh, <laughs> while I was listening to him. So I was getting really worried for Joe there. Um, but it seems like the bullpen made this really interesting. I kind of caught the tail end of the Ryan Brazier debacle, um, followed by Barnes and Workman. I mean, it was the whole game was closer than it should have been. Um, Rick Porcello was not good. His line isn't bad. He gave it four runs in six innings. He was so much worse than that line. It's really hard to explain. I mean, if he was playing a major league team, he doesn't make it out of the third inning. Um, so, I mean, this has kind of been what they've done against bad teams. They've been winning against bad teams over the last few weeks, but it's been because their offense has been hitting bad pitching. I mean, they... Scored four, five runs in the first, um, including Michael Javis's first career grand slam, which was pretty awesome. Um, scored five more in the third. Gave them ten runs, and that was a cushion that their pitching needed. I mean, like you said, Brazier was awful. Matt Barnes was not good. He only faced two batters, but uh, I mean, he threw a big wild pitch that led to another run coming in um, on a base hit. He gave up. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Porcello was bad. It, Walden and Workman were good, which is nice, but, I mean, this is... Their pitching is just a disaster right now. So I heard a really interesting stat on the radio about Matt Barnes um, when he came in and, and didn't exactly have an easy time here. He only threw seven pitches, five of them for strikes, but he did give up a hit. Um, Matt Barnes, when he pitches on back-to-back days this year, has a 995 OPS against. Um, when he pitches with one day rest in between, it's in the mid-600s. And when he pitches with more than one day's rest, it's in the 400s. So Matt Barnes is a guy that really, really responds well to rest. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been pretty clear all year. I mean, that's kind of been the whole discussion around him is that he's been used so much. And, I mean, he's it's clearly weighing on him. I don't know if this is like a Matt Barnes thing forever, but I think when you combine his workload early on um, – just in total, and now you throw in back-to-back games, um, it starts to add up really quickly, and you can tell. I mean, he was he was not good in this game, but I mean, he I don't know that he really threw enough pitches to say he was terrible or anything. I mean, he threw a curveball that was actually a pretty nasty curveball, but it got by Leon. That put a second runner in scoring position. I mean, his stuff looked alright. He just, I don't know. I mean, this was really a few, this was the Ryan Brazier game. Barnes 
like I said, I don't think he was in long enough to really make too too much of an impact. Has Ryan Brazier been bad enough to you that he would be a guy that you would consider uh, sending down at any point? Uh, I mean, I guess not right the second um, because no, I don't think like, there's if if like, let's just paint the scenario like if Tanner Houck uh, starts pitching well at AAA or Darwin's and Hernandez who's had three scoreless outings uh, in relief um, starts Gave pitching well his last one but yeah yeah so three before the last one because um, he's been pitching from the stretch as well and there's been many many fewer walks um, if either of those guys starts showing their stuff. With the way that he's pitched this year, would you feel comfortable moving him out of the bullpen? I I think so. Um, I don't think it would happen, um, but I don't think there's a big difference between him and Colton Brewer right now, or Marcus Walden, frankly, for that reason. I mean, that for that matter, I mean, um, none of these guys really inspire a ton of confidence, so... Um, I think it would be Brewer just because he has the lowest standing among this group. But, I mean, any of those three, I wouldn't really blink an eye. Yeah, I agree. Uh, who impressed you on offense tonight? Pretty much everyone. Um, it was a very good game. I mean, it was it's the same as it's been all year. It was Devers and Bogarts set the big hits. Chavis, like I said, had that grand slam that really kind of broke it open early. Um and Mookie Betts, he had a couple of hits. He had a double um, in the first half out of the game. And he's been so much better over the last couple of weeks um, leading off games. And it's just when he gets – when he makes hard contact and gets on base to start a game, it seems like they always score like three runs in the first inning. He's just so important to this offense. And we saw it again tonight. So, I mean, it was really the top three guys and then everybody below them did their job at one point or another, but those three guys are really the engine that's making this team go right now. All right. Any other closing thoughts on this one or kind of put a bow tie on it, put it in the put it in the rear view? Uh, yeah, it was not pretty, but at this point it doesn't really matter. Wins are wins. Yep, and we need them. And the, uh, we should mention this too. Uh, the Yankees um, were defeated tonight by the Tampa Bay Rays in a which is not a good thing for the Red Sox at this no. point. No, no, it isn't. Yeah, exactly. With uh, with the distance between those two, you don't really want that. Yeah, I mean the Rays are the team they're fighting with, so it's yeah. not great. No. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, you know they'll start playing other teams, so we can have them both lose. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, if you like the show, please go on, rate and review us, and follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Locked On Red Sox account at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt R. By Collins. And you can follow me at Atev Jake. You can ask us questions and interact with us there. And uh, please subscribe to the show. If you uh, listened to this one, you tried it out, you liked it, please go ahead and subscribe to us on wherever you listen to us. And also urge other Red Sox fans to subscribe to the show. Fans of the league as a whole, tune in to Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thank you very much, and we'll be with you for tomorrow's show when we cover the debut of Andrew Kashner.